0: Hello, welcome to My Secret Obsession. Today we are talking with Stephanie L. McGinnis. She writes young adult fantasy and coming of age stories featuring female leads who grow into the role of strong heroine with an emphasis on mental health in both boys and girls. Thank you, Stephanie, for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So glad you can be here. Before we get to chapter one of Eternally Winter, do you think you could share something about yourself so the listeners can get to know you?
1: Uh yeah, so I am. I live in uh, Texas, and I have a bunch of fur babies. We have Dobermans, and I really, I've I've been writing basically my entire life, and I actually recently just finished a master's in English and literature. So oh, I wow. really enjoyed that.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. That's a great accomplishment, getting your master's degree. Um, English and literature. Oh okay, English and literature. Okay. I wasn't when I first heard you say that I thought was it like English literature or or like the uh, or American, you know, the authors if the authors were more English or a mix. It sounds like it's probably just a mix.
1: Yeah, it's kind of just a combination degree. I got my major in creative writing and then I minored in fantasy, so it's just kind of a mix of everything. Awesome.
0: So you really are doing what you've studied for then. I mean, you went to college with the, with the idea or the goal of maybe being able to write and now you are. So that's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, it's really fun. I really do enjoy writing and, and reading and just words on the page as a whole. Right.
0: Yes. I feel like, cause I've written um, quite a few stories too. And I kind of felt like I wasn't really going anywhere with it. And then, Amazon came out with their Vela program, and all of a sudden, I feel like, wow, this is really happening. It is exciting to, to be able to see people reading your stories and enjoying them. So what I'm going to ask you, what season is your favorite in Texas? Because when I, when I think about Texas, I think about it being really hot all the time. So I'm curious if you prefer winter or summer down in Texas.
1: It is definitely hot nine times out of ten down here. It's I prefer winter because I'm from, I was born and raised in Washington, so I'm not a summer baby.
0: <laughs> For sure. Yeah, Washington is beautiful. Both my parents lived there. Um, they went to University of Washington and they met there. So I'm familiar with Washington. We have visited. I had grandparents up there in Seattle. It's a beautiful area.
1: It is gorgeous. It is Yeah, I love it. I
0: miss it. I bet you do. Yeah. We moved from North Carolina to Georgia. So it's not really that much of a difference weather wise, but I had lived in New Hampshire for a while. And, you know, I loved having the snow. It was when I was in high school, we lived up in New Hampshire and, and it was beautiful, but I don't know that I'd want to have to deal with the snow
1: all the time, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I found uh, in Texas, we had a snowstorm when I first moved here about four or five years ago. They were not set up for that snowstorm. They don't have plows. They don't have any of the basic stuff that Washington has when this stuff happens.
0: Right. Yeah. Life goes on in Washington. Same with New Hampshire. You know, you're at school, whether it's there's a blizzard going on or not. And down south, they just aren't prepared to handle it. They just can't get the roads cleared. and. And I know my girls, even if we had like a dusting of snow um, or possibly ice, you know, one day, you know, they might not have school for the rest of the week because they can't run the buses on the streets that have a lot of um, trees overhanging because of ice. So that's pretty much how it is here. Yeah, I would imagine that. So I noticed in your blurb that you try to do a lot with mental health. Um, with yes. your characters what what do you do or how do you try to help people who have mental health issues?
1: So I like to see representation in writing because I was diagnosed as bipolar when I was in my 20s and I never saw characters that were like me growing up and I read a lot mm-hmm. but I didn't ever connect with characters because I always felt like something was wrong with me because I did not act anything like these, you know, typical female teenagers. Right. And so I aim to represent as many of them as I can so that people can see themselves in these fantasy worlds. Like it exists. Right. I think a lot of people don't even
0: think about it. You know, I know that I'll read stuff and I'm not even thinking about, Oh, this book didn't have maybe any Asian people or, you know, I just kind of get, caught into the book and, but you're right. I mean, if, you, if there's something that sets you apart from others, then you don't see it. That's when you notice it. It's kind of like fish don't notice they're in water unless they're right. out of the water. And then they're like, Oh, wait a minute, I need to get in water. So I think that's fabulous that you're trying to put some focus on mental health. I noticed, cause I read the first chapter of your book eternally winter and I really liked your character, Maya and i'm curious did you have any i were you trying to relate at all to mental health with with her because i noticed in the first chapter she seems like she's gifted witch but i'm not really seeing any type of um mental health type of issue or is there any in that book or was that one just not one that had
1: so and um, so Maya is a car- she's a very gifted witch and she- this is based off of kind of a Jack Frost and Elsa kind of thing. So she's a ice witch and en- ends up setting off this eternal winter and isolates herself for 8 years without meaning to. Okay. So she- She ends up suffering from anxiety and depression, and she's got a lot of abandonment and PTSD that comes in later in the story.
0: I can definitely see that um, being set up in the first chapter, which was great. I loved um, your book, the first chapter of your book. I thought it was fabulous. But I definitely see where you're going with that, and that that could most definitely be um, brought up. I'm curious, how do you what is, what advice do you have for people who have, have someone in their family or they know someone who struggles with depression or anxiety or bipolar? What is it that family members can do to help someone who's struggling with those things?
1: Honestly, just being there for people. I know that's kind of like, seems cliche to say, but sometimes with, especially with bipolar, I, uh, I don't notice when I'm going into highs or lows until they're really bad. And so I have my fiance who I will seem, I will notice like, Hey, something seems off with me and I can't figure it out. Like what is wrong? And she'll be like, Oh, I think you're getting manic or I think Mm -hmm. you're falling into a depression. Like, and then I can manage those symptoms and she helps me immensely with all of that. Um, cause I don't have a whole lot of, uh, self-control because that's kind of one of the things of bipolar is we, we don't notice we're doing things that
0: right. we shouldn't be
1: doing until it's a little too late. Right.
0: So, so does
1: she, um,
0: kind of guide you even before, like when she notices something, will she mention it to you beforehand or does she let you kind of steer that conversation?
1: most of the time she doesn't realize that I don't realize. <laughs> so when I bring it up, she'll absolutely be like, okay, well, what can we do? Do you want to play video games? Do you want to watch a movie? Do you want to do some cleaning, deep cleaning in the house? Like what can we do? Cause she knows that it's, it's pent up energy that is going to throw me over the edge. And we find things that, even if I don't want to do them, she'll be like, all right, let's, let's go grocery shopping. And like, if I really don't want to leave the house, she's like, let's just, you know, go grocery shopping Mm -hmm. real quick. We got to do it. It's, it's that time. Let's go. And Mm -hmm. she makes me do things even if I kind of fight her on it a little bit, because she knows that I have to get out. I have to do something. Yeah. Well, that sounds wonderful. Like you do have a great
0: support system in her. I know one of my children had some health issues And we ended up going to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester for about three and a half weeks. And one of the things that they were saying was that when you don't feel like doing something, I'll back up, because this was not a mental health thing, but this was a physical thing. Um, Some of the kids had POTS, which means you can faint a lot. um, But yet if they stand up, they can faint because they'll get really dizzy and they have to drink a lot of salt. And a lot of the kids that were there at that clinic hadn't been in school for months, they were doing school online. And this was, of course, before COVID. And one of the things the Mayo Clinic was telling them that, you know, even if you don't want to go to school, you have to go to school, do the things you're supposed to do, whether you feel like it or not, and just kind of push through it. So it sounds like that's kind of like what she's doing is she's telling you, all right, we have to go to the grocery store. So let's just do it rather than giving you the opportunity to just lay in bed. Because sometimes you may just want to lay in bed.
1: I mean, you know, absolutely. And it, it's—I think it's also part of the if you're doing things to take your mind off of it, like keeping yourself busy, it, it's going to improve.
0: Yes, that was also something that the Mayo Clinic had had promoted. Also, so it's interesting that you are seeing um, kind of an overlap of ways to help yourself. That even people with not mental health issues, but with maybe some physical issues who can also get some help just by just do it, you know, and it's easy to say, just do it when you're not the one who has to do it. These things do matter and it is helpful if we can help people that we love who, who need some help and support.
1: Yeah. And that's absolutely actually just do it is one of the things like I tell myself constantly, like, I will be invited out to go do something. And then um, sometimes my mood will shift four or five times in an hour and I might be up for something at the beginning of the day and totally not want to do it at the end. Right. But then I'll be like, nope, just do it. Just do it. We're going to do it. We're going to go. We're going to have fun. It's going to be awesome. You're doing it. Like I have to. So I tell myself that all the time. So I think just do it is a good mantra for people to have because it is blunt and it does tell them like, hey, we're doing it. It's okay. Right.
0: That's awesome.
1: Now, do you feel like
0: after you've done it, do you feel like it has helped you or do you still feel the same, but you did it?
1: No, I, I nine times out of 10, um, if I get out of the house and I do something, I feel a lot better. Um, my mood will usually level out or shift back into a calm, you know, a calmer, happier Mm -hmm. state. And I'm almost back to normal at that point. So me leaving my house is a good thing, even though I don't like doing it. Yeah,
0: well, that's awesome. That's awesome that you're able to get yourself some relief or feel better um, in doing those things. Let's think about your eternally winter. When I was reading it, I did notice that um, there was some of the Elsa issues, or, or you know, she seemed to kind of tie in with Elsa some, and I I liked that. And I was just wondering if there's something more. Like you can tell us about the book or why you wrote this book? Is it part of a series?
1: So originally I wrote it. I found a group on Facebook. A bunch of people were getting together just to write these snow romances. And I've never really dabbled in romance writing. So I was like, well, that sounds fun. If I keep it lighthearted and fun and like kind of like a Hallmark movie that has like a real plot kind of thing, I could do that. Mm -hmm. So that's what I started with. And I really liked the idea, I'm a huge Disney nerd, and so I really like the idea of the Jack Ross and Elsa pairing. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I can kind of base a story around that, I can find a theme for that, because it fits the winter, it fits the snowed in. And then um, as the stories develop, so I'm like two-thirds of the way through it, and I've Decided it's going to be a duology. So the first book will focus on Maya and Jace and their story. And then the second book is going to focus on Priscilla and Sebastian, which is Maya's sister and Jace's best friend. And that's, that's going to be like a red riding hood, big bad wolf story.
0: Oh, I like that. That'll be fun. Have you started that one at all? Or are you still in the thinking, thinking it through process?
1: I've, done a rough outline but that's about as I've, I've written like part of a scene of a chapter maybe so oh. it's it's very in the rough stages i've i want to finish winter first and um like i said i'm about two-thirds of the way through so when that's done i'm gonna go full throttle on the second one so you haven't technically released eternally winter yet It's on uh, Kindle Vela. So the first half of it is completely finished and uploaded. And I'm finishing up the second half. And I'll be uploading that throughout the next few weeks. Okay. Yeah,
0: that's great. Well, I'm excited because I really did enjoy that first chapter. I thought it was great. You know, I felt bad for Maya because she's obviously gifted. And she wants to use that gift. But those other witches are terrified of her. And I, I think that's kind of like... To me, I'm thinking, why don't they just really focus on trying to help her hone her skills and get control rather than just um, kind of shunning her or threatening to take it away? It'll be interesting to see how that works when you, like you'd mentioned, she is going to be kind of locked away for a while. Does she win them over uh, or does she just kind of stay in her own little little world, her own snow castle?
1: It does take a A turn that my beta readers who have caught up with it they didn't really expect it so there is a nice little twist in there that keeps it fresh and exciting and got a lot of elements in it that I think a lot of people will enjoy on top of the cutesy Uh romance it's also got some drama and some action and I think it'll I think it'll encompass a little bit of everything for everyone okay awesome
0: can I ask, cause I can't think of the boy's name right now. Is this boy, I kind of felt like this boy and she are going to become best buddies or have a relationship of some kind. Um, the boy that finds her and steals her wand, is that true?
1: Yes, so Jace does play a very, he is the main uh, male character in the story and he will, um, the first half is told through Maya's point of view and the second half will be told through his point of view. Okay,
0: okay. cool, very cool. Yeah, And I liked the idea because you also have you have the witches, which is which is a fun supernatural or paranormal concept. But then you also have the vampires that um, are going to be part of the story, too. So I think that's kind of interesting because you don't always see vampires and witches kind of put together. So I think that'll be a fun
1: uh, fun thing. I did kind of change vampires because I didn't I was kind of tired of the old, you know. 400 ancient vampire dating an 18 year old kind of thing. So I did change vampires quite a bit in my story. So they are not the traditional vampire at all. They are not the undead. They're not, you know, they are completely capable living humans. They just have uh, twinges that fit the vampiric Lore. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, I did notice that in
0: that first chapter, you did mention how, or the boy mentioned that, you know, he wasn't hundreds of years old. Do you want to tell us where we can find you on the internet? Are you on Facebook, Twitter? What, where can we find you?
1: I am basically on everything. My main social medias that I use are Instagram, which I'm under uh, the Ninja Turtle Star, which. Teenage.
0: What was it again? Teenage. Ninja Turtle Star. Okay, Ninja Turtle Star. Okay, pretty cool.
1: All right. And but what was everything one? else, TikTok and Facebook are under SL McGinnis. Okay, SL McGinnis.
0: Great. Well, thank you. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us about your writing or in- anything in general before we say goodbye? No, that, I think you you've got it covered. Thank you. Great. Great. Thank you. And thank you for letting me use your book. And I appreciate you letting me make that chapter for you. Thank you. And I'll go ahead and sign off. Bye. Okay. Bye. Eternally Winter by Stephanie McGinnis Witches can't be different. The joining is a rite of passage every 16-year-old witch must undertake. This is not an option. It is our law. An excerpt from the College of Magic. She needs to be forced into joining now. This isn't a game. Her powers are out of control and she will ruin everything. Councilwoman Mays hissed. She had a long, thin nose and a scary overbite with jagged teeth. The woman looked more like a vampire than a witch. Her dark eyes were nearer with anger as she pointed a bony finger at Maya. Maya was sitting in a cold, dark room before the Council of Twelve. Each witch represented a different hour of the night. They ran the different covens. Mays oversaw the Coven of Elementals, the strongest of the Twelve, and in charge of the Twelfth Hour, the strongest part of the night. The joining isn't until a witch comes of age. Sixteen is when their magic is the strongest. We can't throw her into the joining now. The ritual was strip her of all her magic. She's too young. A few others toned in, defending her. The large circle room was lit by black and white candles, flickering like stars in the night sky. Maya looked between the council members and shivered. Everyone was staring at her. Her mom and dad brought her here to be mocked and ridiculed in front of everyone. It wasn't fair. Do you understand what you did wrong? Mays asked, peering over her circle glasses. Or is this a game to you? Maya shivered again. Goosebumps rose along her arms and she ran her hands along them. I froze my mom's favorite rosebush in a fight with my sister. You didn't use your wand, is that correct? The woman asked. Her voice was raspy and cold. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Maya was always taught to respect her elders, but something was wrong. If they weren't going to respect her, why did she owe them anything? The witches whispered among themselves. Maya was scared, and her heart raced in her ears. She had no clue what would happen to her, but she knew they wanted to take her magic. They were afraid of her. "'How did you use magic without your wand?' Mays asked. Her voice was like ice but the smile she tried to stretch across her face was scarier. It reminded Maya of one of those shadows she sometimes saw in the vampire forest. I... I don't know. I set a spell out of anger, and it happened. I didn't mean it, though. I didn't want to hurt my sister. I love her, Maya said, trying to plead her case. No one was going to listen. Not now. She's too powerful. This is dangerous. Cut her off from magic before she ruins us. Have her take the joining. Whatever magic she has left can be used to serve the coven she joins. Hayes said. Her voice was suddenly tired. She was no longer fighting to ruin Maya, but because she thought she was right. Maya looked back at her mom. Her mother had her hands fisted in a white cloth embroidered with a prayer for the goddess. She would let them take her magic. No one would fight to save her. I don't want to lose my magic, she whimpered. I'll be better. I'll work on self-control and everything. Please, don't take it. I'm still learning. The witches went silent. They were already in agreement. The trial was a farce to give the illusion of letting her plead her case. The candles flickered through the cavern. May stood and held out her hands. Under the order of the council, Maya Evergarden will be forced to undertake the joining early for the safety of our people." I won't lose my magic, Maya screamed, unable to stop herself from standing on her chair so everyone could see her four-foot frame. I am not afraid and won't let you take it. She was different, but that didn't mean she would hurt anyone. It didn't mean she would ruin them, as Hayes put it. Maya jumped off the chair and ran through the cavern without a second thought. Her head swirled with emotion and terror, but she couldn't stop. Not if she wanted to preserve what she was, who she was. Her mother stood and reached for her as Maya ran by, but she wouldn't stop. Maya ducked under her arms. A wall of thorns and roses appeared before her only exit. She stopped for a second and closed her eyes. The witches scrambled behind her, reaching for wands and reciting entrapment spells. She would never know how much more she could be if she stayed. Maya looked back at her mother, and tears filled her eyes. Her mom had her wand out. She was the summoner of the wall of vines and thorns, but there was one thing Mom forgot. Maya was a winter witch. Everything she touched died. Without needing to use magic, she pressed a finger to the vines and they fell away. She was outside and down the cobble path before the other witches could finish their vines, cages, and prisons. She ran through the tavern the witches called home and out the front door. There was clamoring and fighting behind her, but Maya didn't turn. The night-winter air bit at her pale skin, and she climbed one of the side brick walls and into the backyard of a tavern. It was overgrown with weeds, brambles, and thorny bushes, but Maya ignored them all. Nature scratched, bit, and hated her as she searched for a place to hide. Finally, she found a respite between the cold, stony rocks behind the circle tavern. She wedged between two portions of the cobble wall that had fallen to shambles. The residence owners should have taken better care of it. For her purposes, this was fantastic. But she wrinkled her nose a little. A historical establishment like The Circle should be well cared for and adored. It was a massive part of their history, after all. Maya, please come back. Priscilla ran right past her hiding spot, shouting her name. Her little sister had tears streaked down her chubby pink cheeks, and her buttoned nose was wrinkled with panic. Her light brown hair was in pigtails, and she was clenching the hem of her shirt like a blanket. May, May, please don't leave me. Priscilla ran past her hiding spot, and her voice got quieter and quieter. Maya waited long enough to count to one hundred three times, and once backwards. When the area stayed silent, Maya crept out from her hiding hole and looked around. The rest of the coven was scattered, trying to find her. It was incredible how a bunch of witches could misplace a child. A small white owl hooted up in the bare trees looming above. Everything was dark, dangerous, and scary. Maya held out her hand and whistled twice. The owl hooted and fell down, perching on her forearm. It nestled her fingers and chirped in delight. Maya giggled and brushed her cheek against his head. Rasmussen, I don't know what I'd do without you, she whispered, not daring to speak louder. We have to run far away. They'll take you if they've found out what I've done. Most witches didn't get their familiars until they were in their thirties or forties. Maya found Rasmussen when she was only four. The day she brought him home, declaring to her mom that he was her familiar, things changed forever. Maya was tested and ranked extremely high in the College of Gifted Witches, but was too young to do anything. None of the covens wanted her because of how powerful she could become. With no prospects of future work, she was told to stay home and practice self-control. They were waiting for the day they could make her weak with a coven until they would do anything. Now, they wanted to make her human. Worse than human. Void of life. A witch without magic was a lost soul. She couldn't walk in confusion forever. She didn't want to. Witches weren't allowed to be different. Magic was seen as something a person was gifted— which meant they were obligated to share their gift. Maya had more than one gift and was seen as an unnatural abomination. The council wanted to force her into a coven and strip her of her remaining magic to keep her controlled. Maya wrinkled her nose and wiped the fresh tears from her cheeks. No, I won't be their puppet. I'm Maya Evergarden, and I won't let them stifle me. She ran in the opposite direction everyone had gone and pulled out her wand. Having been so excited to go before the council... Maya chose a beautiful ice blue cape that sparkled in the moon's bright light. Snowflakes were embroidered along the hood and hem, a gift from her mother for being the only ice witch in the family. Priscilla was an earth witch like their parents, so while she could practice all magic right now, her affinity to earth was powerful. They could grow any plant they wanted with the flick of their wrist. Priscilla could even talk to animals, which was rare for their kind. Everywhere a little perfect Priscilla went, there was an abundance of flowers, fruits, and sweets. Maya always tried to fit in, despite the differences she had with others. She tried with her family, too, but that sometimes went differently than planned. Maya was a witch of ice in winter, so that meant a green thumb wasn't something for her. Most of the time, she killed anything she touched. It wasn't intentional, but her parents tried to teach her to control it. They said her emotions made her magic wild, so she had to learn to control herself. Things always stayed the same. After killing the rosebush without a wand, her mama refused to teach her, and her father was never home to make up for the lack of lessons. He was a traveling doctor, and had many things to keep up with as part of the healer's coven. In the long run, Maya was forgotten and left by the wayside, as her sister climbed the rope for their parents' affection. Maya turned down a dark street and looked around. There has to be a place to hide. She didn't want to go back to the joining. She knew if she went home, her mother would drag her back, kicking and screaming. There had to be somewhere safe that wouldn't turn her in. Her hand jerked forward, and Maya yelped out of fear. She whirled around, expecting to see a bunch of witches, and froze when she saw a white-haired boy with crimson eyes. Got your wand, the voice said with a mischievous grin. Witches should learn to hold on to these. I could have fun. He turned the wand over in his hands. He was no older than ten, only a couple years younger than Maya. Her heart was still hammering when she managed to force a frown. The witches hadn't found her. A vampire had instead. She didn't know what was worse. Oh, give that back, you pest, she hissed, curling her hand into a fist. The boy quirked an eyebrow and smiled, showing off elongated canines. Maya didn't have to touch them to know they were sharp, sharper than any blade made by a witch or man. He was purposely trying to get a rise out of her. While he tried to maintain a firm voice, his eyes glinted with humor and amusement. You're on our lands, little witch. I don't know why you think you can give orders. Please, I don't have time for this, she hesitated, in getting closer. Her mom told her all the horror stories about vampires, Things about how they could look like a child, but be over 800 years old. The boy grinned and fiddled with her wand some more. He didn't try to flourish it or cast a spell, but purposely kept it out of reach. Come and get it, little witch. I'm older than you, and I'm not dumb. You'll probably have your men ambush me, she said. Men? he asked. His smile fell, and he turned around. I wasn't followed. Sure you were not Now give me back my wand and kindly leave, she said, holding out her hand. He looked back at her with the eyes of a kicked puppy. I want to play. No one in the city will play with me, he said. She took a step forward, but he vanished. When he reappeared, he was further down the path that led into the woods. Her breath billowed around her like smoky ribbons, and she shivered. It was too cold to be out without magic. You're going to have to move faster than that. The boy sneered. Maya's breath caught. She didn't want to chase the vampire boy into unknown territory. They could get her killed. The boy might have been toying with her, bringing her back to his people to kill her and drain her of her magic. Vampires didn't have magic naturally. They had to take it from the witches by drinking their blood. Voices brought her out of her thoughts. Maya looked back as a bright white ball of light rounded the corner. Oh no, oh no. This elder councilwoman Hayes. She'll drag me back. Maya chewed her lip and looked back at the vampire. He was quietly waiting for her to make a decision. Maya! That was her mother. She didn't give it another thought. Maya fled down the path coated with rocks and leaves. The boy flickered in and around the trees as if he were some sort of spirit. His crimson eyes watched her with animated curiosity. But he didn't move towards her. The boy kept a safe distance as they danced through the night. "'carefully avoiding each other. "'He stopped on top of a frozen river "'and blinked at her, "'tapping the tip of her wand with his finger. "'The voices were far away. "'Maya could barely hear them now. "'She wasn't sure anyone would hear her scream "'if something happened. "'The boy smirked as she panted on solid ground. "'You keep up pretty good, for a witch.' "'He held out his wand. "'Maya blinked at him. "'She reached out hesitantly and grabbed the tip. "'He let the handle go.' allowing her to snatch it and take a healthy step back. She held the wood tight in her fist. I told you no one was with me, he said. Maya nodded and looked around. She had never been so deep in the forest before. The trees were skeletons and sparsely dotted the landscape like little lamp posts. She exhaled, fogging the air in front of her. How old are you? she asked. Eleven. You? Thirteen. But I meant... How old are you really? Mama says vampires are ancient, she said. He made a face. I'm 11. My race is ancient, not my people. We don't live much longer than witches. Some of us can reach 200, but that's rare. Maya cocked her head to the side. That didn't make sense. Vampires were the walking dead that drank blood and lived forever. But stakes kill you, don't they? She asked. He snickered and shrugged would it kill you? She opened her mouth to argue and then shut it again. He had a point. Well then, I guess that is a dumb story, isn't it? Maya walked out onto the ice and her foot slid from under her. The boy reached out and grabbed her arm to steady her. She flailed away from his touch and landed on her butt. He winced and held out his hand. If I wanted to hurt you, I would have already done it. You'll do anything to hurt a defenseless witch, she said. He knelt and studied her like she was a new type of animal. You're not defenseless. We both know that. Maya pushed herself to her feet and steadied herself. The boy didn't rise when she did. He looked past her, and his eyes flickered through the trees. She took a step back, and he jumped up. Don't move, he shouted. Maya stepped on a small crack, trying to escape the frozen lake. The ice spider webbed around her, and she stopped turning her head just enough to look at the boy. His eyes were wide with horror as he reached out to grab her. Maya whimpered and the ice gave way, submerging her in the icy darkness. The freezing water pulled at her cloak and dress like it had clawed hands. She tried to keep her eyes open to see where she was as she struggled against the raging currents. The water was so cold it burned every bit of her skin like fire. Her lungs screamed for air. Maya released her wand to claw at the water anything to drag herself back to the surface, even if it was just ice. She thrashed in the river, trying to change direction and propel herself to the top, but she wasn't strong enough. Her skirts were too heavy, and her body quickly went numb. Maya gasped in exhaustion, and water flooded her mouth. Sweet darkness, take me quick. Thank you for sharing your time with me. I hope you enjoyed these chapters. New episodes drop on Tuesdays and Fridays. To keep up with the various novels and authors that we will feature, you can follow my secret obsession on Facebook, Instagram, and X at Cherish Lively, or visit the website at tinyurl.com/slash Cherish Lively. Goodbye.